Hello, I'm Tim Swindle, director of the Lunar and Planetary Laboratory at the University of Arizona, and this is Arizona Science. With me today is Travis Barman, an associate professor at the Lunar and Planetary Laboratory. Thank you for coming, Travis. Yeah, thank you, Tim. Now, I understand that you're doing some interesting work lately with something called GPI. First, could you just tell me what GPI is? The GPI stands for the Gemini Planet Imager. And what this is is a highly specialized instrument mounted on an 8-meter telescope in Chile that's been um, designed from every aspect to uh, take images of planets around other stars. These are young Jupiter-mass planets, so we're trying to understand how giant planets formed. Um, today we have a lot of information about old planets, but very little about young planets. How do you know the age of a planet? So we know the age of a planet primarily from the age of the star that it orbits, and uh, we can, through a variety of techniques, measuring the compositions of stellar atmospheres, measuring their space motions, um, whether or not they're associated with clusters that are known to be young, we can assign ages to them. Sometimes it's a bit of a detective work where we have multiple lines of evidence. Generally, we can constrain the age of a star pretty well. How do you optimize a telescope system to look for this kind of planet? This is very difficult because when you look at uh, stars to image planets, you're looking at stars that are near the Earth, uh, so 100 light years or so away, and those are very bright. And so bright stars produce a very uh, imperfect uh, pattern of light. There, there's a lot of scattered light and uh, residual uh, artifacts from the telescope, and so we have to suppress those. We have to block those while simultaneously preserving light from a planet. To do that, we employ several techniques. One is called adaptive optics which uses deformable mirrors, which can correct on very fast timescales for imperfections. We use coronagraphic spots, which are designed to block out uh, starlight in a very special way. Through various techniques, we are able to basically manipulate the starlight in special ways that carve out dark holes very, very close to the uh, center of the star, where we can see faint things very easily. And has Deep Pi started having success yet? Yes, we have. The survey has been going with the instrument. It's been going for a couple of years now, and we found a very fascinating planet around a star named 51 Airy, which is about 20 million years old. So that's many billions of years younger than Jupiter is. This particular planet looks to be about two Jupiter masses, so a little bit larger than Jupiter, but shows all the hallmarks of a, of a giant planet. We see methane, strong methane absorption in its atmosphere, just like we do on Jupiter. So, so we've, we found our first planet, and we have... Um, at least a dozen more good candidates. What do you think the next 10 years are going to hold in studying extrasolar planets? Is it going to be more systems like GPI? Are there more advanced things coming along? If you move a GPI-like instrument to space, you remove a lot of the uh, problems associated with the Earth's atmosphere, and you can correct for imperfections and uh, manipulate the starlight at much greater precision and therefore achieve sensitivities to much fainter planets. We will push from the infrared, which is the primary regime for GPI, into the optical, so we can start looking at reflected light. When we look at planets in our solar system, we're familiar with the optical light that they reflect back to us from their star, but we don't really measure that right now very well. Um, so looking at reflected light would be a great thing to do, and doing that from space is probably the best option. Thank you, Travis. I appreciate you coming in. Yeah, thank you, Tim. This has been Arizona Science. You can hear these and other science segments by going to azpm.org. I'm Tim Swindle.